0: welcome to this week in dystopia i'm your host christopher robishow i'm a senior lecturer in ethics and public policy here at the kennedy school of government
1: the state of arkansas you know they're fighting against our claim of religious discrimination and they're the capital grounds in little rock they put up a ten commandments monument we asked to have a monument of our own put up their argument was the Ten Commandments Monument was a private donation, so it's not an establishment clause violation, right? So we said, well, we have this private donation. Why can't we put it put it up, right? Unless there's some kind of viewpoint discrimination going on. This week I am joined by Lucian Greaves, who is a
0: social activist and spokesman and co-founder of the Satanic Temple. Why are we talking about the Satanic Temple, among other reasons? Because they have a movie, a documentary out, Hail Satan which made a huge splash at Sundance this year and has gone national and has been extraordinarily well-reviewed. Lucian has appeared in numerous media outlets. He's a public speaker and essayist who's contributed articles to publications including Skeptic Magazine, Skeptical Inquirer, The Washington Post, and International Business Times. He's been instrumental in setting up the Protect Children Project, the After School Satan Project, and several political demonstrations and legal actions designed to highlight the social issues involving religious liberty and the separation of church and state. Lucian, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Can you give us a sort of bird's eye view of what the temple is and and what it stands for?
1: Well, the hardest thing for people to wrap their heads around is that we're a non-theistic religious organization, meaning we don't subscribe to any supernatural beliefs. We don't advocate for any supernatural beliefs. Our belief is firmly in scientific evidence and adjusting your your beliefs based upon the available evidence. But we do view ourselves as an authentic religious construct, and we have that sense of community and activities that all kind of bring it together. So we are both a religion and we're a politically active organization, and we don't see the mutual exclusivity in those things that a lot of people presume is there. I imagine that some people think to themselves—
0: I have nothing in common with a Satanist. And then they go to the website and they see some of the, the tenets or the principles that define the Satanic Temple. Can you name a few of those? Because I think some people are surprised. I'm sure you've experienced this many times. People say like, oh,
1: you stand for that. I, I do too. Right, right, right. That's a funny thing because we, we were doing interviews, me and the director of Hail Satan during, uh, during Sundance, and people would say, well, we've read your seven tenets, which are essentially about autonomy, individual liberty and basing your decisions based on the best scientific evidence, admitting that you're fallible, and being able to adjust, that kind of thing. And a lot of people were saying, well, these are things anybody can agree with. And I was the one who whose knee-jerk reaction was, well, yeah, that's true, however, going on. But it was the director of the film, and it, I think it takes kind of this an outside a penny, view. Penny yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was saying, well, no, actually these are not just uh, generic kind of Humanistic tenets, these, these are satanic in every sense of the, the word, when it's understood from the modern Satanist perspective, because these speak, you know, to personal autonomy. They speak to this kind of anti-autocracy. And she was saying, you know, if you look at uh, even some of the best liberalized versions of Christian tenets, whatever sect you're in, the underlying theme is one of uniformity and dominance. Right. A lot of them are kind of theocratic at their core and and don't have that kind of respect for personal sovereignty and things like that. And I I have to agree with that. And it's kind of funny to see uh, my kind of true believer status get in the way of me recognizing how out of step some of this stuff might be from the rest of the real world to the point of fooling myself into thinking it could be so generally accepted if people just understood it. But of course, it's a lot more accepted now, given that people do understand it. Hot off the press,
0: as we were sitting down today, I read that the Satanic Temple has just received official tax-exempt status from the United States government.
1: Yeah, news is like a couple hours old right about
0: now. A huge deal. Yeah, huge deal. In addition to that coming on the heels of the enormously well-received views of Hail Satan, in that movie, you talk about The importance of understanding the satanic temple in the context of the satanic panic that started in the 1980s and 90s why don't we start there tell us a little bit about that panic as you understand it and and how it informed the emergence of the satanic temple
1: yeah it really informed what i thought about satanism because as a kid that was my introduction to the concept of satanism i was a kid and daytime talk shows were talking about these cannibalistic homicidal cults the idea seemed to be that they were prevalent in every community but they were unseen working in the background, trying to undo all civilized good and moral decency throughout the world, and that they were stealing children or impregnating breeders, as they would say, and they were discarding the bodies in these mobile crematoriums, and the lack of evidence for these cult practices were just further evidence of how insidious, nefarious, and really effective they were. At covering up their crimes and working towards this one world order really bizarre and deranged conspiracy theories that you wouldn't believe could make it into mainstream consciousness in such a way that they could persist unquestioned for as long as they did and as you see in the film it talks at first, and a lot of the film has this humorous tone to it, and at first the satanic panic is presented in this kind of humorous light when we talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Everybody gets a laugh out of that, about the moral panic that children shouldn't play Dungeons & Dragons because it leads to pot smoking the homosexual agenda and ultimately to Satanism and murder and all these other types of of ridiculous crimes. And the ad absurdum, of course, gets a laugh out of everybody. And then we talk about uh, heavy metal music and backward masking. But then things take a serious tone, and you can tell because the soundtracking changes. Where we talk about how the Satanic Panic actually ruined a significant number of lives, and it goes into a whole montage of people being hauled off to jail. It shows the McMartin uh, preschool defendants in the case. You know, they were never they were never convicted, but some people spent upwards of twenty years or more in, in prison. Some some have just been released recently, convicted on utterly ludicrous claims and spectral evidence gained from recovered memories that they had under some quack therapeutic conditions treating multiple personality disorder. And we have a whole campaign in the Satanic Temple, which doesn't get covered in the film, but I hope people would be compelled to look into more called Grey Faction, where we fight back against these kinds of mental health malpractice therapeutic techniques that still persist today we just don't hear about it on daytime talk shows as much anymore. Because while recovered memory therapies are used still to ruin families and cause people to remember things that didn't happen or victimizations that they suffered and blame people for that that never took place, they're not uh, generally compelled to litigate because uh, the conspiracy theory has grown. You know, you, you can't get a proper hearing in the courts now. You know, the, the judges might be part of the satanic conspiracy, but it's still there. And we see manifestations of it still in in so sometimes the mainstream when you hear things like Pizzagate and you see that there's still a significant population that takes ludicrous claims like this seriously. It all goes back to the satanic panic and a lot of the materials that were used to justify the satanic panic were also used as, as the evidential basis for Pizzagate's legitimacy as well. So you see this persistence of this conspiracy theory not just since the 1980s and 90s, but really since the French Revolution. There's kind of been this folklore of the satanic threat, and it it hasn't gone away, and it's with us still. And I think part of what the satanic temple is doing is making people reevaluate everything they think they know about people who self-identify as satanists and realizing that it has nothing to do with these hysterical claims of those who want to hold tightly to their power, their sense of power or their sense of privilege.
0: As, as the temple has emerged on the scene over some years, you, you are regularly asked this question. Why wrap yourselves up in the symbolism of Satanism? Uh, is Is it just to sort of agitate people and get them all worked up? Is there something deeper than that? Do you really believe in Satan? And people will look at your website and see the tenants. I feel that now is a great time, given the movie, to talk about that at
1: greater length. So how do you respond to some of those concerns? Well, it's interesting to see the shift in consciousness now since people are seeing the film. Previously, I think all of us in the Satanic Temple were in the mindset where we were thinking, well, if people just understand what we're really saying, they'll get it. You know, they'll they'll be on our side. You know, reasonable people will, will, will see what we're doing and they'll embrace it. And that's not necessarily what we're seeing. What we're seeing sometimes now is that this film gives a good kind of overview that we do engage in pranksterism and we also have these deeply held beliefs and this religious identity that really means something to us and some some of them are horrified by that they they feel that you know they wanted it to be just a joke right they they, they're uncomfortable with the idea that these these ritual actions or some of the other things we do are genuine expressions of who we are and it's interesting now to hear reasonable people talk about us as though they're viewing some kind of uh obscure tribe you know or something like that like really trying to scrutinize and, and and understand who we are and finding that that it just doesn't resonate with them the same way. And I think what people have a real difficult time understanding is that while we do recognize the kind of visceral reaction people have when they've been indoctrinated into a, a, a monotheistic or Judeo-Christian mindset, when they hear the word Satan, you know, we, we know they're going to react badly. Uh, but it it also has meaning for us even in the non-theistic sense metaphorically this was something most of us were indoctrinated into and there's something about that you know there's something about growing up in that environment and having that right there and etched into your brain as a child and then realizing that you're liberated from that and that you can engage in in symbolic blasphemy and and it feels it feels very liberating there's nothing you could replace it with right we couldn't say like well, Satan's offensive to this crowd, so we need to come up with a different character or whatever, it wouldn't have the same meaning to us. And like, at, at, on the one hand, you feel a little apologetic towards the people who protest against us and March and think that, that we could only be uh, advocating for evil and cruelty when we're not. And on the other hand, they have some kind of duty to to learn about who we are before they they make such protests. But on the other hand, also, they should realize that we grew up in this environment where this these Judeo-Christian concepts and superstition are ubiquitous, and it was put upon us, most of us, at a young age. We've been placed into this environment, so if we react to it in a way that's, you know, outside the prescribed reaction we're supposed to have with it, but we don't reject the symbolism entirely, well, that's... That's their problem. You know, this is this is something they gave us and it's artistic raw material now for what we do and it couldn't be anything else. And I think they're going to have to live with that and at this point they really have no choice. So tell us, what do you have in the works? What have you done? What, what's got your attention now? A lot of people see those kinds of, you know, public facing church state campaigns, you know, when we fight to put the Baphomet monument up to the Ten Commandments next to the Ten Commandments monument or any of our chapters are asking to be uh, involved in any local public forum or give invocations or whatever. So people really kind of know us for those church-state battles. But as we've developed and experienced this explosive growth, we've really had to kind of turn inward now and make sure we're structured properly. You know, if I get shot, you know, at some convening or whatever, this carries on seamlessly without me. Or, you know, Satan forbid, if I should try to take a vacation sometime or whatever, and, and I feel comfortable walking away from the social media and, and press for an amount of time. Right now, I'm really working hard on putting together our ordination coursework because we want our, our ministry to be fully capable of speaking to all the issues that we believe in, being being able to dissect the nuances and answer anybody's questions. And a lot of that I've come to find, especially when we're vetting chapter heads and other representatives of the Satanic Temple, is making sure somebody has a clear understanding of what we're not what our limitation what their limitations are in their authority as you know a chapter head or in the ministry with the satanic temple And i think that's probably the same for a lot of organizations but we have a lot in the works and we work with a lot of different lawyers on a lot of different projects and sometimes i'm not sure exactly what we have embargoed until you know a major release time or what so I'll just say, keep an eye on it. We've got several big things in the works. I really like the tax-exempt status now. One thing that's kind of hilarious about it was the state of Arkansas. You know, they're fighting against our claim of religious discrimination, and they're the Capitol grounds in Little Rock. They put up a Ten Commandments monument. We asked to have a monument of our own put up. Their argument was the Ten Commandments monument was a private donation, so it's not an establishment clause violation, right? So we said, well, we have this private donation why can't we put it put it up right unless there's some kind of viewpoint discrimination going on which is clearly the case and you know they they really did everything they could to set up a losing case for themselves however the legal counsel for the state of arkansas was really putting all their efforts into discrediting us as an actual religion which was questionable to begin with, right? Because on the one hand, they're claiming that the Ten Commandments monument can go up because it's not a religious statement. And on the other hand, they're saying our claim isn't legitimate because, because you are not, not, not a religious, religious organization. <laughs> so I don't think that would have worked to begin with, but it's even funnier anyways still just to see that Whatever argument they were going to present now, they probably have to throw away entirely and (laughs) and start working from the beginning again. I I think it's a very thankless task for the attorneys trying to come up with some kind of method to confront this now. And they don't have much time because we're filing for summary judgment.
0: Do you think that um, in part the the, surge in popularity, the growth, the uh, reception of Hail Satan, do you you think that that happens outside of a context in America where – a lot of people are concerned that we're going backwards, that there's a reemergence of a theocratic state, that you have people like Mike Pence one, one heartbeat away from the presidency or Trump himself, you know, wrapping himself around religious conservatives. Uh, how does that context help understand what's happening with the Satanic Temple?
1: I think that's very important to understand the Satanic Temple. and It, do, it doesn't necessarily mean that people coming to us through this will lose their interest when the social environment changes, the religio-political environment. But it does mean, I think, that it's easier to grasp with some intuitive sense of what it is we stand for and what it is we stand against when we're fighting these battles. It gives them, when they see what we're in opposition to, it gives them a better understanding of what it is that we stand for. And it gives them an intuitive sense of where we think the Christians have gone wrong, you know, like they've gone wrong with the evangelical, you know, the Christian nationalism, this kind of uh, tribal impulse to, to take over in a theocratic sense uh, the United States and overturn, you know, the, the most secular nation ostensibly on paper. And I, I think that's really uh, a lot of the success of, of the Hail Satan film right now too, that people realize the situation we're in and, Uh, It's dawning on them that the situation grows more and more dire by the moment, you know. When Trump first got into office, everybody immediately started litigating World War II again, you know, and I don't think, I don't think Pence thinks of himself as a Nazi. I don't think Pence necessarily has an affinity for Nazism, and I think it's time to start calling this out for the evangelical nationalism that it is, and I think in that context, people are much better primed to embrace the message of the satanic temple.
0: I know that some people can't distinguish between being opposed to theocracy and being opposed to religion. And so they'll immediately view it as hypocritical for the temple to have religious status and say, well, you're anti-religious. But even this past week, I saw a post, I think it was from uh, the, the Boston chapter, sort of extending uh, a kind of condolence to the burning of the Notre Dame Cathedral and, you know, some of the comments in there is exactly what you'd imagine. Who are you to say these sorts of things? But can you help people understand that being an anti-theocrat doesn't have you targeting
1: religion per se? Well, I, I also distinguish, you know, religion from superstition, which of course I have to because, you know, the Satanic Temple is non-superstitious, but we refuse to give up this uh, the, the notion that we can be a legitimate religion because we have everything else we think that a religion should have. We have that sense of community, that sense of ethics, and of course a real kind of uh, cultural bond, a, a subculture, the subculture that we are, you know, we, we have that kind of kinship with one another based on that. And, you know, if the federal government wasn't going to recognize us as a religion, we'd still keep doing what we were doing. So I don't know what category you'd want to put it into. But yeah, people have really had a difficult time wrapping their heads around that. There's some people in the atheist camp, like I said, who are really put off by, by seeing that there's a whiff of, of actual religious identification here. There's not much I can do to explain after a certain point to people, though, you know. I've been asked this question for the past six, seven years about, well, why? Why Satan? And I just have begun to feel that if if it doesn't mean anything to you, it's probably never going to. You know what I mean? Like, other times, too, I think if they just thought about it and found better analogies, they could grasp it. For a lot of us, no villain can be introduced today that's going to be as uh, effective as Darth Vader. Right. We grew up with, our, we were scared of him maybe when we were kids or whatever. You just can't get that back. You know, like some things mean a lot, other things don't. I probably would have never watched the Ted Bundy documentary because he was just a guy who went around killing women. But when I was a child, he was like the first real world monster that I knew about. You know, so the image of him seeing video footage I hadn't seen before, it, it takes on this kind of mythic dimension, you know, it becomes an iconic character or whatever. And maybe if you just don't have that, it's just not going to mean something to you. So in a way, maybe that's the way in which in some distorted way, in my case, a partial religious upbringing was important or, or actually enriching.
0: Speaking of this, the Satanic Temple emerges in the American context, but it is international. So how have you seen it be responded to in an international community that may not have as many theocratic uh, preoccupations as we do right now, or or the purchase of Satan symbolism doesn't doesn't do as much work.
1: I see we get messages from overseas all the time, and when I check the metrics on our newsletters, it's often really surprising to me to see how many newsletters are opened in like Pakistan and other places where I think it might be dangerous to even <laughs> to, to even exercise these these kinds of thoughts or humor are. Uh, our antics at all. But I found that worldwide there is great concern, not only over the the general rise of the right, but the theocracy in the United States, because it seems our international allies are often much more aware of world politics than I think some of our American comrades are, and and they see this as having an overall effect that could be damaging. And I think they're right. I, I think nothing at this point really happens in the United States without it having a, some kind of effect on the rest of the world as well. What is your favorite moment from Hail Satan? I don't really know. Uh, I I watched the I, I originally watched the final cut of a screener with the director and the producer, and it was terrifying. They're they're filming me for like three years, and I had no idea what they're going to do with this material. I had no idea what narrative they were putting together. Right, and of course, there were a few schisms. There were a few, uh, you know, bumps in the road on the way to this ascendancy of the dominant religious satanic international organization. And I had no idea how this this would play out in the film. And when the director and the producer were watching it with me in the producer's apartment in New York, um, they were both. Visibly terrified, and I'm just watching clip after clip of stuff that, I, while I may not have seen the footage of it, it's still fresh in my mind. I know all these things. I'm watching, and I'm just kind of checking each scene in my mind, saying, "Okay, that's accurate. Okay, I, I don't object to that." You know, just one after another, so that I had no sense of really how it came together, what other people would make of it. I watched it, and I wasn't even sure it was, I wasn't even sure it was a good movie. <laughs> Just <laughs> tell you the truth, and it wasn't until I started watching some of the screenings with audiences there that I realized that that it was funny, yeah. Yeah, right yeah, because people are laughing and people are applauding and things like that, and some of the things i didn't realize were funny until an audience is laughing, like I go into this subcommittee hearing and I 'm explaining our Baphomet monument to these puzzled members of the government in in Arkansas, and just the expressions on their faces and when I pass around the the Baphomet and i'm I'm giving its dimensions and i'm I'm very kind of flat and academic in my presentation, they're writing down notes and things like that. And then I stop, and they're all just kind of looking at one another, they're, you know, their mouths hanging open, they, they have no idea what to say. And then I just said, are there any questions? <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I didn't think any of this was funny, but in retrospect now, and seeing it on the video footage, it is. So it's, it's funny how a film coming together can change your perspective of, of the events themselves. You were at the Sundance premiere. Did that reception uh, surprise you? It was a big hit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It played more, I think, than any of the other screening documentaries. And there were I mean, they all sold out, and the lines were huge. They had standby lines, too, for people who might have the opportunity to buy a ticket if other people didn't come or something like that. And those lines would be well beyond what would be reasonable for people at the end to expect any chance of getting in at all. But there was such a demand to get in. And we've seen that at uh, at the screenings, too. I think all of the ones I went to except for the Salem one, I guess they didn't advertise it, but they all sold out, you know? So there's there's a real a real interest in seeing this, and there's so many good reviews. However, wait till it's streaming, then we'll see the people who wouldn't buy a ticket really weighing in with their opinions, and we'll see like the Bill Donahues from the Catholic League talk about why it's all a lie or whatever.
0: Lucian Greaves, thank you very much. For those of you listening, uh, the movie's called Hail Satan. It is uh, in theaters now, and uh, we presume we will be streaming soon. Take a look at it if you would like to learn more about the Satanic Temple, and also if those of you that are more local to the Harvard world, the Satanic Temple headquarters is located in Salem, Massachusetts. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week for another week in This Week in Dystopia. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in Dystopia. Like what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Want more information on each episode? Visit our Medium page, at This Week in Dystopia. To stay in touch with us during the week, follow us on Twitter, at Week in Dystopia, and like us on Facebook. Have ideas for future episodes? Want to share your thoughts? tweet at us or send us a message. We want to hear from you. This podcast is brought to you by the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation at the Harvard Kennedy School.